My name is Charles Ogletree. I'm the Jesse Kalinko Professor of Law and the founder and executive director of something called the Charles Hamilton Houston Institute for Race and Justice here at Harvard Law School. And I'm very, very pleased to be the uh, co-sponsor with my uh, dear friend, mentor, and comrade, Charlie Nesson, of the sixth uh, Internet, Internet and Society Conference sponsored by the Berkman Center, Center here at Harvard Law School. Uh, and this is our ongoing challenge to look at technology uh, in society. Uh, and we couldn't have come up with a better theme, uh, and it is university, knowledge beyond authority, uh, which in and of itself has provocative uh, and, as you can imagine, intuitive concepts when you think about it. Uh, my dear friend uh, Charlie Nesson can't be here. Uh, Charlie uh, is actually having surgery in a few hours from now. Uh, that was not planned, uh, but uh, we are all uh, having him in our prayers and we expect he'll be well. You will hear from him uh, nonetheless this morning. Charlie will always find a way, even lying on his bed, to be a part of these conferences. So he will be here uh, as well. And the amazing thing is that, how many of you were here? Any of you were here in 1998 when we had our first conference? All right. Now, how many of this is their first conference here? Okay, uh, so th this is an amazing process that we go through, and you can imagine 1998, uh, sort of a marker in time when we started these conferences every other year, and how much the world has changed. It was before 9-11. Uh, it, it was during an important time of crisis in terms of what it meant uh, to have access to technology. It was a debate between the haves and have-nots, uh, and how much we move forward, and yet we see the recurring problems. And one of the great things about these conferences is that every uh, other year when they're held, one, there's a sort of global focus, and then there's an internal focus as well. To what extent must Harvard, uh, as a global entity, address the myriad problems and challenges that we face in trying to understand and address technology? And that is what we're doing uh, at this conference here uh, today. And we're so glad that so many of you are here in person Many of you are in the overflow rooms, and some of you are watching this uh, live uh, on the web uh, and responding with questions and comments as we go along. Uh, since 1998, uh, our, our theme then, ironically, was, will the net uh, inevitably drive a deeper wedge between rich and poor? That's 1998. And to some extent, that question is with us in the year 2007. It hasn't uh, been resolved. Uh, in 2002, uh, we talked about what is Harvard's digital identity, and, and here in 2007, we're looking at that again, the role of the university and how the university plays a particular role. In uh, 2004, we asked, has the web changed politics? That's an interesting question. Remember, I am one of the culprits who receive wonderful uh, email information early on in the voting in 2004, with John Kerry winning all of the major states but then when he had a 69% winning in one state, I said, that can't be right. So even technology can get it wrong. So as I was applauding John Kerry as the new president, uh, some of my non-technology friends said, turn off the internet, turn on the TV. It's not going the way you think it's going. So we have to check ourselves as well. Let me say a word about the Charles Hamilton Houston Institute for Race and Justice, which is a co-sponsor. Charles Hamilton Houston, was an African-American born in Washington, D.C., went to what's called the M Street High School, known as Dunbar now. Uh, he went on to uh, Amherst, where he was the valedictorian of his class. He then had an experience that changed his life. 
Uh, he went to World War I. Uh, he, was, uh, he was drafted to, to be in the war, and he fought. And for the first time, a middle-class African-American with a comfortable living, with a father as a lawyer, a mother as a teacher, he felt discrimination, that he was treated differently because of his race. And that propelled him to go into the issue of law. He came here. And to tell you about technology, he came to Harvard in 1919. He was admitted because of his enormous success as a student at uh, Amherst College. What Harvard did not know then in 1919, because there was no internet, there were no photos, there was no email, they didn't know this brilliant young man coming to Harvard Law School was an African American. And that was a challenge to Harvard Law School in 1919. He had to eat in a separate dormitory, uh, live in a separate dormitory, eat in a separate dining room, uh, but he excelled nonetheless. Uh, and his vision was to have a philosophy for all lawyers. And it's sort of something that we should think about uh, as techies as well. His sort of uh, uh, approach to his students was a lawyer is either a social engineer or a parasite. You have to make a choice. Are you using your talents to some way lift up society's greater goals? Or is there a selfishness that, that focuses you in a different direction? And his main concern was to get rid of the 1857 decision called Dred Scott versus Sanford that said that African Americans, whether born free or not, were not citizens uh, as contemplated by the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. And he fought his entire life trying to change that view about what it meant to be a citizen. Uh, and at this conference, we're talking about the university as a citizen in cyberspace, but also our individual concerns about citizenship. What does it mean? Who are we? What do we represent? And to what extent in these breakout groups can we address the myriad issues that impact our society, our community, and ourselves uh, in a cyber world of the 21st uh, century? And I think that's going to be important, uh, the role of the individual, the role of the state. It's ironic if you saw the New York Times today, either in hard copy or online, you saw a remarkable set of photographs. One uh, was uh, President Bush uh, in the year 2000, uh, explaining why the United States should not be bound by the Kyoto Treaties, because Japan and China and other nations weren't bound by it. And then you saw him yesterday saying that in the next year that the United States will talk about the greenhouse effects, et cetera. Think of how time has changed, how space has changed, how we think about it, the role of the university, the role of the nation, the role of individuals. And that's part of what we'll grapple with during the course uh, of this conference. Uh, and also, it's the role of democracy. It's ironic that in 1998, we're talking about the idea of voting. And I was celebrating the fact that four years earlier, 1994, for the first time in the lives of literally millions of people in a nation called the Republic of South Africa, they did something that we take for granted. In 1994, Africans in their own country for the first time were able to vote to decide who would become the president of the Republic of South Africa. It was a bloodless transition uh, uh, from an authoritative uh, set of apartheid rules to a democracy. And Nelson Mandela, uh, someone who'd spent more than 20 years in prison, became the first uh, African to be elected president of the Republic of South Africa. Think of where we've come in terms of the march for democracy. Look at the protests that are going on in Venezuela now because of the, act, the lack of freedom of speech. Look at Darfur and what that means as a local issue with global implications. Uh, it is remarkable how far we've come and how far we have to go. And we hope that you will be invested in this conference. This is a participatory conference. This is not where you'll be lectured all day, but there's work to be done. And you are a part of, you are a critical part of the work that we will be doing. 
Uh, and to bring you his message, we're going to first hear uh, from my co-chair and partner here, Charles Nesson, who, as I said, is on his back, uh, but has a, a short video that uh, he will we will uh, see this morning. Uh, but also, Charlie's going to try something that will be very unique. Uh, the question is, what are the limits of technology? What do we mean by having access to the cyberspace and making it real? And what he plans to do, and only Charlie could do this, he's going to be in surgery at 1.40, but he's going to try to figure out about 2.30 while he's uh, sedated uh, and unable to communicate, whether he can use his finger, the one remaining finger, to connect with us. So if he does, it will be a historic moment that you will all witness right here at Harvard Law School. Only Charlie Nesson would be able to do that. It is, against, it is against medical advice, but if you know Charlie, that is nothing unusual or, or unique. That's the way he operates. So, absolutely. So without uh, further ado, let me bring you now, I think we have it available, uh, a brief message from my dear friend and co-chair of this conference, Professor Charles Nesson. Thank you. Hello. I'm Charlie Nesson, co-chair with Charles Ogletree of IS2K7, this year's Berkman Center Internet and Society Conference. I wish I could be present with you in person to welcome you directly, but due to a medical problem that has recently arisen for me, I have great difficulty at the moment sitting up or standing up. It's nothing to worry about and will shortly be fixed. I am indeed tremendously pleased to welcome you here to Cambridge and to Harvard on this beautiful day. We intend a celebration of civil discourse, a conference structured to allow us to think in broad perspective and to seek common ground on issues that have been highly contentious yet central to our futures. University is a concept. If one sees university as an ideal, and the struggles of the physical institutions we have been building through the centuries as aspirations to reach that ideal, then you see the driving force of this conference. What is university? Is it Harvard? Is it Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, MIT? Or are these just its roots, as shaped by the temporal forces of reality, geography, society, and now the Internet? I believe that Internet offers university a grand new environment in which to express itself, challenging university to assert its respected place as knowledge generator, teacher, thought leader, and fair broker among the many contending forces with which it interacts. Knowledge beyond authority, truth above power. What are the core responsibilities and interests of university in relationship to private business, government, and a global public? How will the other lords of the digital domain relate to us? These are questions we hope to open wide in our discussion and to explore in an environment of warmth and civility. My great thanks to the great staff of the Berkman Center for putting this conference together, most especially to Rebecca Tabaski, Amar Asher, and Colin McClay. Great thanks to all of the Berkman faculty and fellows for pitching in in my unexpected absence. Great thanks to Reed Elsevier, Science Commons, 
and to the Office of the Provost for your sponsorship of our conference. And finally, my warmest thanks to all of you for coming and participating with us in what I hope will be a successful quest for new insight and common ground. Before I uh, introduce Mary Wong, who will give a uh, recap of day one, uh, our uh, session that we held yesterday, I wanted to also uh, join Charlie in, in thanking the Provost's Office, uh, as well as Science Commons and Reed Elsevier and the Houston Institute for sponsoring this. These things don't happen without someone stepping up to the plate and making it possible for us to provide uh, a wonderful environment for frank discussion and dialogue uh, without uh, having to tax uh, our audience, and we're so glad that they were able to co-sponsor it. Uh, 